Jackson on the right. He waits. He shoots. He, he scores! Patrick Carlson! Four nothing Vegas! With five minutes to go in the second, three goals. But a natural hat trick for William Carlson! The Vegas Golden Knights. Our town, our team. We are Vegas born! Now you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Uh, you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Uh-oh! And a foul! Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang! It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. And a very good day today. I don't know if it's going to be a good day. Nunchuck is in the building. Earthquake, where are you at? Should we start the show over? We uh, could we could start everything from scratch. Thought we just did. I know. <laughs> Let's do it again. Three, two, one. Welcome aboard. Abroad, abroad. What are you doing? I didn't tell you to turn the music down. What are you doing? We are going to have to start the show over today. What are you doing? Take three. Put the music on. Okay, that's it. I, I, I say we start the show over. Start it over from scratch. Now you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Uh, you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Uh-oh! And a foul! Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang! It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. It is a Wednesday. Hump day is what they call it, Frank. The proverbial hump day, Wednesday. What's going on? I don't know. For some reason, I feel like I'm suffering from deja vu. (laughs) Is this Groundhog Day? Where is Bill Murray when you need it? I don't know. Uh, know, I'll I'll tell you. Harry Roden decides if we're going to have more winter. Yeah, that Harry Roden (laughs) is the nunchuck who is in today. You know, every baseball team seems like to have a... What do they call it? A, a starter, you know? Nubchuck is our guy out of the bullpen that you'd never want to go to. And, okay, well, let him start today's game because, you know, we it's going to be a bullpen day. Today's a bullpen day oh, for us, I guess. you never want to go to. Yikes. Yeah. That's something you probably don't want on your resume. <laughs> All in good front. He'll be playing in the KBO, Korean Baseball Organization, next year. <laughs> Quake, Quake is off today, and he's probably banging his head against the wall as he's, as he's listening from home, as he's doing a valiant job of babysitting. But that's okay. Numchuck, the day will get better. Numchuck's great on Fridays, though. On the road at the Cosmopolitan, he's outstanding. Well, he's in his element. Yeah. You know, he's out amongst the people. He's walking around. He's getting uh, betting lines and sheets for us and stuff like that. Setting up the equipment. You know, he's in his element. Yeah. You know, he was kind of rushed in behind the board here. 
You know, called in like you said, he was the reliever, but he didn't have time to properly warm up. That's it. Okay. Now I'm checking. Next time you get, you start warming up earlier in the day. Plain and simple. There you go. He, he, he warmed up for after the show because he's got his <laughs> drinks in that because he's going out afterwards. All right. Glad to have everyone with us today. A action-packed show today as uh, we are going to visit with Steve Berline, the uh, former quarterback himself, the former Carolina Panther, and the former Raider. And, uh, of course, the pride of Notre Dame. And, of course, has done a fantastic job for a decade now with CBS Sports. The Notre Dame that wasn't in the ACC, right? The Notre Dame that wasn't in the ACC. <laughs> the Notre Dame that wasn't independent. And I think will be an independent come, what, January again. And who knows what. But anyway, yes. Uh, so Steve Berline will join us. We'll talk NFL, NCAA college football, and a whole lot more coming your way. And uh, we have some breaking news uh, with uh, the Big Ten announcing they will play football. So very happy about that. So we'll talk to Steve Berline about that a little bit later on. Yeah, so they're going to be able to play football. Now you wonder if maybe the Pac-12 is going to fall in line as well. Going to play an eight-game schedule, but like you said, we'll get a little bit deeper into that uh, as the show goes on. But uh, it's funny because a friend of mine texted me today, oh, finally they came to their senses in the Big Ten. No, finally they caved to the pressure of the lawsuits and everything else yeah, out there. Yeah. It's amazing, too, that originally three teams were against it. Now this time it's unanimous that everybody wants to play. Yes, yes. <laughs> and maybe there's something to say for all of the, the petition work you know, that, that went involved you know, with Wade's father and all that sort of thing, and they thought, hey, this is all for naught, and then now you know, the, the switch is flipped. And I think a lot of it, the switch is flipped because you know, after an opening college football weekend where people said, hey, this, this can be done, and even some stadiums had fans, and we mentioned K-State yesterday where they had a decent amount of fans. They had good fan engagement, even though they ended up losing the game. But, yes, I think it can be done if it's, if it's done properly. So, yes, the Big Ten did come to their senses, so we'll dive in about that. And, again, like you said, we will see if the Pac-12 will follow suit. All right, speaking of the Pac-12, we're going to start today's program off with uh, the legendary Pac-12 scorer, the pride of UCLA on the basketball side as we talk about the NBA. We had... An exciting Game 7 last night. Well, at least maybe for for three quarters it was exciting as the Denver Nuggets took on the Clippers. The Nuggets were down 3-1. They forced a Game 7. The Clippers led for the first half. Then it was all Denver in the second half. Kawhi Leonard, terrible last night. Paul George, terrible last night. They combined for five points in the second half. Yes, the two All-Stars were 2-for-18 from the field. And the end result, the Clippers with another early exit. So let's dive into this with the former NBA world champion himself, the pride of UCLA, our good friend Tracy Murray. Tracy, what's going on, my friend? What's going on, TC? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. It sounds like you're, you're cruising the, uh, the valley there. You're cruising Los Angeles. What's going on? No, actually, I'm cruising Las Vegas heading up. To uh, train my daughter up in uh, North Las Vegas area. You're here. That's right. All right, man. So uh, I've, I've been here. I've been here since the COVID. I remember you saying that now, and and I kept forgetting that you didn't go back. So uh, you've been quarantined yourself, so to speak, right? Right. Just laying low, staying out the way. Okay, man. All right. Well, I, well, glad that you're in our city and you're in your cruising our streets here today. So Tracy, let's talk a little bit about. Some NBA action, and last night specifically, uh, when we look at the Clippers, it seemed like they felt all kinds of pressure. There was so much talk leading up to last night's game that Denver is a very dangerous team, and it looked 
like that for, for, for the most part, that the Clippers were going to be in control and they're going to finally you know, get rid of this curse here and advance on, but that was not the case as the Nuggets became the Nuggets again in the second half, and then it's over. Clippers eliminated. Denver advances on. Give me your thoughts, not only about last night's game, but this series in general. Well, it didn't surprise me last night that the momentum was going to – it looked like a replay of game six where the momentum was going Clippers' way. They get up de- double digits. That's when Denver is at its best because uh, that team is mentally tough. They know how to make big buckets. They know how to get stops. Um, and when you're young and play kind of pressure-free basketball – where you're just out there just playing like it's a pickup game, you can knock off teams with veterans that understand the pressure of the playoffs. Denver was Denver didn't feel the pressure of the playoffs. The Clippers did because of their expectations. So when you look at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but we'll specifically talk about Kawhi Leonard here, should he be judged and criticized for this collapse? Because there was a lot of talk coming into this game that, that Kawhi Leonard needed to perform here. He needed to perform in this game. They let the series get away from them after, after leading 3-1. And as you know, Tracy, the superstars rise to the occasion. And sure enough, Kawhi Leonard was 6-for-22 from the floor last night. He did not lead this team to victory and did not lead this team to a... To you know, um, to the Western Conference Finals. Give me your thoughts on Kawhi Leonard's performance, and should he be criticized the way he is uh, by a lot of people today? Well, let me start my thoughts off by saying I have love and appreciation and respect for these guys that I'm going to talk about um, first and foremost because uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard—they're like my young guys. They're—they they're, yep. uh, come up in in the San Bernardino area, so. Uh, <laughs> Um, second of all, yes, if you want to opt out, you're going to get criticized when you don't deliver. So it is fair to criticize them for not performing because they are getting paid to perform at that high level. They're getting paid top guy uh, and, and top two guys, you know, salary. So, when you have that responsibility and you're carrying that burden, you got you got to carry the responsibility not only for the wins when you're getting passed on the back, you got to get the the criticism from when you don't deliver as well. Hmm. So the the criticism is warranted. Hmm. Two for eighteen combined with Leonard and George. Again, I, I believe they combined for I believe the number was twenty points. Uh, maybe not even that. I think it was 18 points. And then you look at a guy like Jamal Murray, who has just been uh, had a breakout season this year, especially there in the bubble. He has 40 himself. And you can say between him and Jokic really carried this Denver Nuggets team you know, in, in this series. So speak a little bit about those two guys, and especially Jamal Murray. No relation to Tracy Murray. No, no relation. But I'm, I'm getting flagged for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go ahead. You can people, claim him. Go ahead and people, claim him as, are, as a younger people, brother. People are putting the numbers together, so I'm getting a lot of flack for it. <laughs> I hear you. Claim so, him as a younger you cousin or somebody, a nephew. How's that? <laughs> you know what? He's making that Murray name look good. I tell you that. You got that right. Um, but but you have to look at what Murray and Jokic are doing, 
and you know I'm a former Nugget as well, so yep. I'm proud of them. Uh, what you what you like? What I like out of those guys is that, as I say again, when you're young and you really don't understand the pressure of you just know they're just out there hooping, they're just out there having a good time, they're just out there accepting the challenge. They're they're not they're not they didn't really have the high expectations like they were a final team or a Western Conference Finals team. So they're just out there playing. They're out there giving it their best. They're out there with a chip on their shoulder because they feel like they're being disrespected. You know, so when you play like that, then you you play a little bit above what you're expected to play. So uh, these guys are, have really found their niche, and they're playing extremely well. You know, when it comes to a guy like Jokic, um, I heard an announcer say last night that he might be the best passing big man in the history of the game. And I thought that was an interesting statement because I remember, I'm old enough to remember guys like Bill Walton and seeing him play live and Sabonis in his prime, one of the best passers. And I, I started thinking about a lot of guys that pass. Where does he fit in that category to you? Uh, I, I, I'm always leery when I hear somebody say the best of all time, but he might th- be the best in the game today. Has he not heard of Wes Unseld, right, Tracy? How about Wes Unseld? Well, you know what? I mean, I mean, the the passes that he is making, you know, is is kind of different than what those guys have made because those yeah. guys played a legitimate center position. You're talking about a center dribbling the ball and making guard plays. So. You know, because even though Larry Bird wasn't a center, you can say he's big. He's almost 6'10". He's 6'9". He was a great passer. Magic was a great passer, and and he's 6'9". People forget their size because they're playing a smaller position. But it's like these guys are great passers. What Jokic is doing off the dribble at seven feet is he's extremely talented, and and he – He's definitely top five big man passers probably to ever play because of some of the plays he's making off the dribble. That is a great point too, because those guys that we mentioned, you know, outlet passers and that sort of things, and, and again, right, you know, right. yeah, and, and maybe kicking it back out, you know, after having the ball in the post. You're right, Jokic is doing a lot of this uh, off the dribble, so that's a great point. Tracy Murray joins us, the former NBA World Champion, All Star, All American, UCLA. And we're talking NBA as we've got the Clippers eliminated yesterday. Before we leave this Clipper story, uh, Tracy, again, this was a team that seemed to really have it together, especially during the COVID break, and they were really viewed as a favorite. We heard Lakers, Clippers. It's going to come down to that. We thought that Doc Rivers had things all dialed in here. Then, of course, we had the Patrick Beverly stuff. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Lou Lou uh, Lou Williams going over to Magic City, and then all of a sudden, you know, we we heard all these rumblings. But then when they came back to play again here. It just seemed like the Clippers were, were not in sync. And they there was a lot of pressure on this team because of the failures they've had in the past. Touch upon that a little bit. And then one more thing with Paul George is that, you know, George is, is, is getting a lot of criticism too because they thought he could be the missing piece. This guy is one in nine in elimination games. Well, I mean, I mean what you're what you talking about... Everything that you're saying is absolutely true. But the one thing that, that when I look at the Clippers, I look at lack of leadership. There's a lot of tough guys on the team. There's a lot of talent on the team. But who is keeping – Kawhi is quiet. 
So he doesn't say much. He just tries to lead by example. Paul George is just trying to, to get keep his game on a consistent level. Um, Lou tries to lead. You, he's a natural leader. I, I've, I've coached Lou Williams, so I know that he's out there trying to lead. Uh, Montrez is trying to lead. Uh, uh, Patrick Beverly tries to lead in his way. Who is the leader on the team that everybody's going to respect their opinion and follow? There was no one that circled the wagons and said, hey, we're all right. We need some stops first and then some baskets. Let's stop settling for threes and let's get buckets. There is no one that rallied the troops, circled the wagons, so to speak, and said, hey, let's straighten this up. We're better than this. There was no one, to my knowledge, or just me watching the basketball game, I did not see that. And you can speak to this better than anybody. If you don't have, not just that leader, but if you don't have that true team chemistry, and we're hearing some rumblings coming coming out of Clipperland today about that. It's like, well, we really didn't have that team chemistry. And that seemed evident because when you are playing in a Game 7 and you blow a lead and you have no answer for that and your two biggest scorers are shooting under 25% in the most important game of the season – Again, it just—it seems like they're—they just—they f- they fold it under pressure. But a lot of that is leadership and chemistry, and Doc Rivers couldn't do it by himself and didn't have the leadership on the floor to do it. So I think you bring up a, a fantastic point there. Yeah, you did say you know uh, chemistry. I mean that—that's definitely a major part of what's been said in the post-game comments by players uh, and today by players. I mean, Lou Williams talked about it in post-game. Uh, conversation or, or post-game uh, press conference, so did uh, Paul George. Now, if you have a leader, you're not, no one's going to leave the bubble unless it's an emergency, number one, because that leader is making sure everybody stay in. Second of all, if there's a team chemistry issue, a leader is going to get to the bottom of it and try to pull whatever issue they have. Everybody come up in here and let's talk out our issues and let's go to the floor as one. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I mean by leadership. If you don't have leadership, it affects the chemistry. So somebody needs to step up in a major way and be that guy next year, like it or not. You know, and being that leader, you're not going to be liked all the time because you're going to have to be the guy that, that's going to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. All right, that was Game 7 last night. Uh, the Nuggets advance. So they will go on and face the Lakers' Western Conference Finals. Let's talk about the East. Game 1 was last night, and Miami defeated Boston 117-114 in overtime. Tracy, I gave up on this game at the end of the third quarter. Saw the Celtics up by 12. I figured, okay, Miami, they were great against Milwaukee. Maybe this was going to be the spot for for Boston. Maybe not the entire series, but at least game number 1. And Miami led throughout the first half. But then, again, the third quarter was all Boston, even led by as many as, as eight about with six minutes to go. And then all of a sudden we, we had a, a, a Celtics meltdown here. And here's an interesting stat. The Celtics were 156-1, think about that, when leading a playoff game by 12 points with 12 minutes to play. Why did Boston have the collapse last night? I don't think it was so much Boston's collapse as it was Miami's, you know, uh, leadership and, and wanting to win. Because you got to look at their toughness that they have. Out of Bayou is tough. 
they're led by Jimmy Butler, who is tough. Jay Crowder is tough. Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder were teammates in college. Yep. So they know what they're getting from each other. So when you have Jay Crowder, is Corey Crowder's son, who's been in the NBA and knows what this is all about. Jimmy Butler is, is, is arguably one of the top five players in the league easily. So when you have guys that don't like losing, that's tough, and Jimmy Butler leads his team, and what you hear about his team from his team is they love playing with him. He doesn't care who's throwing the ball. All he cares about is that everybody is in tune defensively and playing hard. So when you have that, you're going to play free because you know that Jimmy Butler's not going to be barking at you for the ball. He just, he just rather you go play. I remember Butler when he played in Chicago, and there were some people that were saying that he was kind of a selfish player and this and that. Now, I don't know if that was media-made or management was trying to get rid of him or whatever, but has was he maligned there unfairly, or has he grown as a person and a player, and now he's growing into the leader that he is on the court? Well, you got to understand, everybody comes into the league young, and everybody makes mistakes, and everybody matures. Not everybody gets a second chance at at going after making mistakes, you know, and, and continuing on. He's a superstar, so he has a chance to learn from his mistakes and go to another team and be a leader and not make the same mistakes that he made in, in uh, on teams prior. So um, I think it's more of a maturity process. And, and then, you know, he, he still brings his toughness and his and is uh, and what he brings to the, to the table leadership wise, but he's not making the same mistakes he did in Chicago. Yeah, I agree with you too. Jimmy Butler is a bona fide superstar. The way he has matured, the way he has grown, and basically willing to take his team and put him on his shoulders has been phenomenal, a joy to watch. And you mentioned him and Crowder. I remember them at Marquette. Uh, fantastic. Tracy, before we let you go, uh, let's touch upon this Miami team and how dangerous they are going forward here in this series. And do you think they are the favorite to beat Boston? And then on the other side, now that Denver's going to go against the Lakers and LeBron, Give us uh, your prediction, how you see both these series playing out. Well, I think the Boston-Miami series is going to go seven. I mean, you got two really good teams, good young teams uh, uh, that have chips on their shoulders, that, that are hungry, um, that have talent. Um, so I, I think that one's going to go seven. And uh, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. Whoever wins game two, they're going to have a significant advantage moving forward. Um uh, I, I think if, if Miami wins game two, they have a significant advantage. But if, if uh, Celtics even it up, it's going to go seven. Um, I, I think the Lakers are, are going to be going to be fine. You know, they're they're, they're going to win uh, versus Denver. Denver's going to put forth their best effort. But I think the Lakers have the athletic bigs to bother Jokic. But I think they'll wear him down after a while. Um, because they they have they're big guys that have quick feet that can move a little bit, so I think that's going to bother Jokic a little bit, and um, I think they they have the wing defenders to possibly slow down um, Jamal Murray. So we'll see though. That's why you play the game. You know you don't just mark people in and then say you know this is not a, a playoff bracket where you just fill out the brackets. You have to play the game. Mm-hmm. When you look at. What the Lakers, how easily they handled Portland, 
Do you think Denver is that same type of team as Portland, or does Denver maybe pose different challenges or a stronger challenge for the Lakers? I think Denver is different because they have the no fear factor. You know, they. I mean, okay, you can say Jamal Murray is kind of like McCollum or or or, or um, Lillard. Okay, you got that guy that's gonna put pressure on you off the dribble, but they don't have two guys like that. It's basically a two-man game. And then you have, you know, uh, Gary Harrison knocked down some shots for you. Then you got, you know, a couple of those other guys uh, that, that come off the bench. They're going to knock down some points for them. But if you look at the starting lineup, um, I thought Portland had more firepower. They just didn't – they just couldn't get out the first round. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. We will let you go. We appreciate you spending the time. Great to talk with you again. Uh, the AAU coach himself taking care of business. So you, you got you got the youngster firing, ready to go, uh, hitting those jumpers. All good, man. Well, I, I'm getting. I'm trying to get her right. You know, she's she's eight years old and she's just learning the game, and and I just want her to have fun first. Mm-hmm. And you know, because if you're having fun learning the game, then you become better, and then you're going to want to get into the gym every day. So right now. It's just have fun learning the game. I know you got her behind the arc already, my friend. I know I know she's she's not a sitting yet. nineteen. She's not, strong enough yet. <laughs> not yet, but she'll get there. But but the free throw's gotta be spot on. I can guarantee that, right? Well she she's she's kinda thin. So yeah. so she's still trying to get her strength. So but but inside the free throw line like in an arc around the free you know, like yeah. just at the free throw line and inside She's not bad. She can shoot the ball a little bit. That's awesome. That's great, man. All right, brother. All right. Continue being a great father, man. Great coach. Great friend. Appreciate you, and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, guys. Take care. There he is, Tracy Murray, the former world champion, played a dozen years in the NBA, uh, several teams, and, of course, a legend at UCLA and does a fine job on the UCLA Bruins radio network as well. I know he's, you know (laughs) – hoping that college basketball comes to fruition. Remember, Tracy was very involved with us during the college basketball season, and everything that was happening was here in town at T-Mobile Arena when the Pac-12 halted everything there in the middle of March. Uh, then, of course, was a, a big part of serial madness as well, too. Yeah, and, and, and look at you trying to put undue pressure on his daughter already, <laughs> forcing her out to go beyond her range right now until she learns how to shoot net. Back off a little bit. Slow down. Hey. And the one thing we do know about Denver, we know they're not going to quit. If yes. the Lakers get up 3-1, they better not take it for granted and think it's over. You got that right. <laughs> exactly. You know? I mean, come on. Tracy's a sharpshooter. So I, I well, figured he, he is. You know, he's going he's gonna to have her be. But he's right. Eight She's years eight old. years old. I know. She looks older. You okay. know? There I mean, you she might be shooting me on the arc and nerf, but probably not <laughs> at the big 10-footer right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When we come back, we will visit with our good friend Steve Berline. We'll talk a little NFL and uh, college football, and, and I've got a feeling that some cereal might come up as well, too. Nashville hot chicken, bold pork sandwiches, award-winning Vietnamese wings, and plenty of ice-cold craft brews. Just a taste of what you'll find at Block 16 Urban Food Hall at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Six hand-picked restaurants from foodie capitals across the country. Fresh flavors, world-renowned chefs, and a lively atmosphere draw you in. From donuts to hand rolls to everything in between, grab, go, and get back to the game. Block 16 Urban Food Hall at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Paul, after homework, time to do chores. I'm tired, Dad. Can I please do them later? Yeah, that's fine, and I'll take a selfie with my Freddy's Steak Burger. What? You're going to Freddy's? Yes. 
I'm done, Dad. I'd do anything to go to Freddy's. Freddy's Frozen Custard Steak Burgers. Now with four locations in the Valley. Two in Henderson on Warm Springs and Julia Road, and Eastern near Silverado Ranch, and two in Las Vegas at Charleston and Decatur, and its newest location on Rainbow and Russell. Freddy's, the taste that brings you back. It's football season, and now is a great time to support Las Vegas' favorite charity. Opportunity Village has been serving adults with disabilities for over 60 years. Employing these hardworking clients and teaching them skills has been the primary focus at Opportunity Village since its inception. You can lend your support in a variety of ways, but this week you can join the Picks for OV football contest. So sign up now at picksforov.com. Win valuable prizes while supporting Las Vegas' favorite charity. You can make a difference in our community with your support or volunteering at Opportunity Village. Visit one of the four campuses in Las Vegas. For more information, go to opportunityvillage.org. Introducing the best European-style deli in Las Vegas. It's Cured and Way, serving the best gourmet artisan sandwiches, imported cheeses, and charcuterie from around the world, along with soups, salads, and more. You can also enjoy fantastic selections of beer and wine. Cured and Way also caters and will create custom cheese boards for any event. Cured and Way, located at 6265 South Valley View near Post Road. See the menu at curedandway.com. Cured and Way, your gourmet specialty food source. It's Wunderbar. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas is the place to see and be seen. The most dynamic resort and casino on the Strip is the home of the T.C. Martin Show every Friday afternoon. Come see the show live in the Cosmopolitan's Race and Sportsbook. Enjoy the large wall of HD TVs while playing your favorite table games, sipping on your favorite drink at the bar, or with a front row seat in the lounge. Learn more about the dynamic resort and casino at CosmopolitanLasVegas.com. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. In. On a Wednesday... We go from NBA talk to the gridiron, NFL style, college football style, and our good friend joins us, Steve Berline. Here he is. He's coming out of the tunnel again with the helmet, the Golden Domer. What is going on, my man? Hey, what's happening, TC? It's been too long, my man. It has been too long, and your name has gotten brought up here recently as well, too. Our, our good friend, you know, Ballpark Frank is, is joining us today, and he's saying, well, "Last time I remember, st- go ahead." Hopefully, hopefully, my name wasn't brought up related to the cereal, <laughs> uh, the, the national championship event of from course, last spring. Of course it is. Of course it is. You know, it's football, <laughs> it's cereal, and, and, and Frank, go ahead and tell Steve the story how we actually had a listener boycott us. Now, Frank told me this the other day. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, good friend of mine used to listen to the show all the time, and he said he had to uh, tune out from TC's show because you can't have ties in a bracket contest, and (laughs) he was just over the moon fed up with it. He was done. (laughs) But since I'm now joining TC and doing this stuff, he's going to give it another listen. I think he's been happy so far, but no more ties, man. No ties. No more ties. (laughs) No more ties. That's right. Can't happen. (laughs) As Kenny Bayless ruled on the show, it was a draw. 
A draw. Yeah. yeah, there's a big difference between a draw. <laughs> Draws yeah. and fights, not in serial contests. That's right. And in wrestling, too, by the way. Okay, there you go. Thank you, Ed Yasumoto, by yeah. the way. Or, or, or double disqualification. Yeah, but double, no draws. Yeah, over the no top. No draws. Row. That's it. Steve, what have you been doing, my friend? How's COVID been treating you? Well, fortunately, I haven't had any real firsthand experience with it in my family. Um, I've had a few friends that, uh, that have, uh, you know, either tested positive or did actually uh, come down with the virus um, in, in a visible way. And, uh, you know, the people that did actually get hit by it pretty hard, you know, they, they're believers big time. They, they, uh, uh, they, they all, you know, there was probably two or three of them, and they were like, man, it knocked me off my, sock, off my feet for, you know, a good three or four weeks. And uh, uh, so we all know it's, it's obviously not anything to take lightly. We need to continue to do our part and make sure that we are not part of the problem but uh, it has not affected me that much um, you know my my full-time job in the insurance world I, I uh, I'm working from home um, so it's not really that much of an effect on that but you know obviously not traveling not running around as as much as normal and uh, that's been an adjustment but um, you know all things considered it's been pretty pretty smooth for us all right, great to hear that uh, you and your family are healthy. All right, news today comes out of the Big Ten. They announced that uh, they will play football in the fall, an eight-game season starting October the 23rd. Uh, this includes an extra cross-division game. Their title game is set for December the 19th. The college football playoff selection day is actually the, the next day on December the 20th. So they say their full Big Ten schedule will be released here in two or three days. Protocols include daily testing. That's good news. But here's my question. And we've talked a lot about this over the last few weeks. What took so long? I mean, no one wanted to be the first and no one wanted to be the last. Well, the Big Ten, I guess, accomplished that. And now Pac-12, I guess, it's their move. And, you know, and what about all these players that have opted out over the last couple weeks as well, too? And for me, Steve, it, it's it's puzzling because the Big Ten seemed to be in front of this, as you remember, in the beginning. They were the first ones that said, hey, here's our schedule, let's go. And then, I'm going to say it, they caved in a little bit. And then when the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 says, you know what, we're going to play, and then the Big Ten just kind of reverted course here, and it's taken petitions, it's taken a lot of media pressure, and then, you know, it just took them so long to come to the forefront. So what do you think it is that finally led the Big Ten to saying, okay, we will play football? Well, first off, I think that the, the initial decision they made, aside from it being wrong and, and irresponsible in some ways, uh, was made too quickly. You know, they, they uh, I think they felt that the, the backlash – of not canceling the season was going to be too extreme and too severe, but they didn't really, you know, look at the the long term effect of what canceling a football season would do, not only uh, to the, the the students and the players, the athletes, but uh, to the school and to the communities around the schools. And it's been well documented how that was going to affect all of those different elements, but really. If you didn't try to get a season in, in the fall and into the early part of winter, uh, you're basically giving up a full year because some of these schools, Big Ten, I know at one point was considering possibly a, a, a post-New Year's season or a spring season 
And they realized after talking about that for maybe 10 minutes that they you can't do that. You can't have uh, uh, two full football seasons in one calendar year. It's just not not physically possible to expect that out of your players. Um, and so basically, if you don't have a fall season and you, you don't get in a, a, a full or at least a, a you know semi-full schedule in the fall and leading into the, the holidays, uh, you're sacrificing a full year, and that's a full year of revenue. That's a full year of having to deal with, uh, you know, what are you going to do with the the seniors, uh, the players that are that were going to graduate? Uh, they're going to get an extra year of eligibility, and how does that affect overall scholarships that you have on that roster? And just all the different ramifications, aside from the financial part of it, I think uh, made made too much uh, of a case for them to have to reverse that decision. I, I thought initially they made the decision too early to cancel the decision, and I have a lot of respect for the uh, SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 for being more patient and really committing to trying to make it work, and hopefully it'll turn out that that was the right decision. Steve, when it comes to the Big Ten's decision, originally the only three teams that voted to uh, against not playing were Nebraska, Ohio State, and Iowa. You mentioned there was a lot of different ramifications and things that fell into place. Of course, Ohio State got the petition with over 300,000 signatures. We saw Nebraska with the lawsuit. We heard some players saying they were either going to opt out for the pros or maybe even try to transfer to other conferences. Do you think that the Big Ten would be playing right now if all of those things didn't fall into place and that maybe this shows people that just because a decision's been made that protests and petitions and things like that can be effective if done properly? Well, I think that's a great example of that, and uh, they, they did it the right way. Um, obviously, it was very emotional. There were a lot of, uh, I'm sure, very extreme uh, moments where uh, you know people were wondering how far they could push it and what the right course of action would be. But I think just going about it the right way and making it very clear and having people come together and trying to do it in the right way uh, made a big, big difference for that. And, and also you have to give credit to the leadership in the Big Ten, who I do believe completely screwed it up initially, to not be so proud as to stand by their guns and to try to make sense of something that didn't make sense. They understood that they made a mistake in how they handled it initially. Uh, they were, uh, you know, they were adult enough and mature enough to say, you know what, we made a mistake. Let's try to make this work. Let's see if we can salvage this season because the teams need it, the players need it, they deserve it, and the coaching staffs deserve it. And by the way, so do the students and the student body and the communities. They all deserve at least a, a concerted effort to try and make this work. So kudos everybody for coming together and, and, and making it happen. Steve Berline joins us, former NFL player as well as the pride of Notre Dame and uh, for many, many years a uh, great job on CBS Sports as an NFL analyst and college football analyst. Steve, we know that nothing is normal here in, in any realm of, of any sport, but especially, especially college football here. Do you think with this announcement that the Big Ten said, okay, we're going to get back to playing here starting October 23rd, does this bring us back to maybe a semi-normal state, so to speak, that we now have four out of the five Power Five conferences going to play, that we can say, okay, we will have a national champion, and part two of this, do you think the Pac-12 joins the fray as well? Well, I think the pressure on the Pac-12 is going to be tremendous to uh, to try to uh, you know 
justify not trying to salvage their season after uh, the Big Ten has done what they've done. So uh, there's going to be enormous pressure on them. But I'm going to tell you, I live out here in California. You guys are in Vegas. You know, the West Coast is different, man. I mean, it's just they look at things differently. The whole mentality of, uh, you know, uh, leadership on the West Coast is just totally different than anywhere else in the country. And they stick to their guns. Uh, even when it's obvious that they've made a mistake, they're going to stick to their guns and not back down. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pac-12 decided uh, that they were going to stand by their guns and then go through with this, despite the fact that it was going to have all the negative repercussions that we talked about. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they swung it back the other way, though. But my, if I were betting, I would say 60% chance they keep it as is, maybe a 40% chance they decide to reverse field and, and go along with what the Big Ten has decided to do. But, um, you know, I, I think that, to answer your initial question, that, yes, considering the fact that all programs, with the exception of the the uh, SEC, ACC, and the Big uh, Big Twelve, who have been committed to making this work all along, uh, given the circumstances, I think we have to award a national championship and, and reward and recognize uh, the best team in the country that decided to play football. There'll always be an asterisk by everything related to 2020. We know that, uh, but I'll tell you what: if you if you go through the process and get that national championship award and that title handed to your school and your program, that'll be something to be very proud of, almost more so than even in a normal situation, I think, because of the resilience and because of the, re- the commitment and because of the uh, difficult factors that they've had to overcome this year. Uh, I don't think it's tainted in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it'll be more special, I believe, than anything else. All right, your Irish are one to know, my friend, with the victory over Duke. Uh, give us some uh, thoughts, and then Notre Dame and the ACC. Well, I think it was. You know the story, right? I mean, you know how Notre Dame really did save uh, the this, this season for college football. Did you hear the story about how the ACC was going to fold up as well? Enlighten us, man! Enlighten us. Okay, well, yeah, I read an article, and it's been confirmed. But uh, you know, the ACC was at a point where they were considering going the same route as the Big Ten and the the Pac-12. But Notre Dame came to the ACC and said, hey, we will commit to a full ACC schedule. Um, And, uh, you know, it's got to be, you've got to have unanimous consensus among the ACC schools, but we will commit to a full schedule, um, and we want to be a part of it. It's not long-term, at least not at this point. Uh, but but that was they thought it was in the best interest of Notre Dame, and and because of that, you know the power of Notre Dame and uh, the ACC. I think at that point said, if we can can get this worked out, uh, it would it would really uh, make a, a a very very strong case for trying to go through with the season. And uh, they reversed the decision from what they were thinking as far as folding up tent for the year. Uh, they decided to go along with the SEC and the Big Twelve. And, you know, if the ACC had folded at that point, there would have been an awful lot of pressure on the SEC and the Big 12 uh, as the only two conferences still going. Uh, so there's a, there's a case to be made that that decision by Notre Dame and the fact that the ACC decided to uh, stay the course really saved college football for this year. But uh, to go on and what, what happened with Notre Dame week one, not a great performance against Duke. I think Ian Book has to play a lot better the offense in general under Tommy Reese. 
did not look very sharp. It looked like an offensive coordinator uh, really just trying to find his way, and I think he'll get better as the season goes along. Uh, but Ian Book has to step up and play much better. The offensive line needs to play a lot better. Uh, they've got to find some real good go-to receivers on the outside. But we saw enough to know that they do have an awful lot of talent on that football team, both sides of the ball, and uh, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with down the course uh, throughout the course of the season. Uh, I just hope they don't stumble along the way as they try to figure it out. I, I want to see that ACC championship game against Clemson really have some significance you know, at the end of the year and, and really give people something to be excited about. You mentioned Notre Dame being in the ACC for at least this year. Do you think there's any chance that they do remain in the ACC for football? Do they go back to being an independent? And why are they in the ACC? Being from the Chicagoland area, it blows my mind that Rutgers is a Big Ten team and Notre Dame is an ACC team. Well, come on. You know that those, those examples are never going to There's always going to be some of those crazy examples that just don't make any sense any way you slice it. Um, you know, Notre Dame, because of the fact that they're in the ACC for the other major sports uh, and had the, the abbreviated ACC uh, football commitment over the last few years, uh, I think made it a natural transition for them. Uh, there's no way Notre Dame was ever going to jump into the Big Ten. I don't think that, or the Big, the Big Ten, yeah, I don't think that was ever uh, going to be something Notre Dame would seriously consider. Uh, but the fact that uh, they now have got uh, this, this thing going with a full season in the NCC, there will be more pressure on Notre Dame, I think, to consider making that a permanent uh, change. But Notre Dame is never going to give up. Uh, at least the opportunity to have three or four of those big games scheduled on an annual annual basis. So that's going to be the stumbling block moving forward. I don't. I just can't see Notre Dame ever getting to the point where they're willing to sacrifice uh, those rivalries, the USC, the Navy, um, and you know having the opportunity to play uh, you know the the home at homes with Ohio State uh, to bring in Alabama every once in a while. Those big, big, big rivalries, Michigan's, whatever you might want to say. Uh, I, I just don't see it ever getting to the point where Notre Dame will be comfortable doing that. Yeah, you know, to to pr- Frank's point, though, and we've, we've talked about this before, it's just like, okay, if you decide that you're going to join a conference and you join the ACC for basketball and those other sports in the past, it just made a lot of sense you know, at that point in time, hey, let's look at the Big Ten if we're going to join a conference for those other sports because of the proximity that you have there. I mean, basically, you're in driving distance from just about every campus of the traditional Big Ten schools and those traditional rivalries that you play just about every year in all the sports. You play Michigan, you play Michigan State, you know, Purdue, and I think that's the... The confusing thing, if you're just a, a bona fide sports fan or a college uh, sports fan, that you would just you know make sense for Notre Dame to have these constant rivalries week in and week out with teams like the Big Ten. Well, again, that that's that's the argument, but but I just don't see Notre Dame willing to you know willingly to go into any conference yeah. on a full. Full-scale, you know, commitment. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen with the ACC. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen with the Big Ten or anybody else because Notre Dame has so much uh, say and so much power in handling things the way they are right now. Notre Dame is never going to have a problem filling their schedule. They're never going to have a problem, you know, controlling the environment in which uh, they exist from a football standpoint. And I think they they like the ACC from a basketball standpoint. You know, they were in the Big East for for quite a while before that, right. but then made the switch 
uh, on a whole to the ACC. And I think it's been a good fit for Notre Dame across the board in the other sports. So uh, to make another a decision that affects all of the other sports like that, uh, and, and in a way will, will not help Notre Dame from a football perspective, uh, at least from, from Notre Dame's opinion, uh, I just don't see that happening either. But it would make sense, Big Ten, 100%. I mean, that on paper is the perfect fit. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and I wasn't talking about going forward. I guess, you know, turning the clock back, going back, whatever it's been, nearly 10 years right. now where they joined the ACC, where that thought process could have been there. All right, uh, Steve, before we let you go, NFL real quick, week number one, we saw some questionable quarterback play. I want to get your thoughts from the former QB. Baker Mayfield, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady. Uh, we expect a lot more from these guys, and we didn't get it. Uh, week one aberration or some quick thoughts looking at week one and moving forward? Well, I think the teams that really jumped out positively to me uh, were, were Baltimore. Uh, Pittsburgh looked really good with Big Ben back in there. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy to see him back. Buffalo, I thought, with Josh Allen playing the way he played, looked uh, like a really, really strong team. I think they're going to take that division for the first time in, in, in history, I think, uh, going, going back a long, long way. And then, uh, at least back to Jim Kelly. But, uh, and then I think the Kansas City Chiefs obviously are, are, are elite as well. Uh, on the NFC side, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers playing the way that he played, if they can hold, hold on to that level of play, they're going to be tough to beat. Um, New Orleans, uh, taking it to, to Tampa Bay the way they did looks pretty strong too but i think those are the teams that that really jumped out to me as far as quarterbacks go yeah brady hugely disappointing with how he played uh you know i've been saying all along you and i had this talk tc uh in the off season i I really expected brady to struggle this year he's never been in a situation where he's had to adjust to everything else and everyone else in in a in a new situation everybody in, in new england has ever come into that organization for the past 15, 20 years, has had to adapt and adjust to Tom Brady. For the first time now, he's learning a new system with a new coaching staff and new teammates who he has no chemistry with. They didn't have the offseason. He's now 42 years old or whatever he is. Uh, it's it's going to be a struggle for him all year, I believe, and it's going to be one of those things where you look back and you say, wow, maybe he should have just tried to figure out a way to make this work one more year up in uh, in New England. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays itself out. All the other guys you mentioned, yeah, you know, you hope it's just a week one bad start for them and, and that they'll get it going back in the right direction. Uh, I'm confident about Carson Wentz because I really believe in him. I think he'll get it going. I'm not confident about Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think uh, uh, this thing has the potential to really blow up on the Cleveland Browns. Again, as normal, as usual. Um, and that would be really sad, I think, if that were to happen. Baker's got to dig down deep and show that uh, he, can, he can be strong enough to overcome this, and uh, you know, mentally more than anything else. Great stuff, my friend. Appreciate you. Look forward to tapping in with you quite a bit here during football season. And again, not just college, not just pro. This guy knows it all. He knows everything from from basketball <laughs> to horseshoes, whatever it is. I, I heard your cornhole game is really big there too in Hollywood. Hey, you don't want any part of that. Trust me, <laughs> you don't want any part of that. 
<laughs> All right, my man. Thanks a lot. Right. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you real yes, soon. Take care. All right. Bye. You making more cornhole challenges out there now? I know. I gotta be. I gotta. I gotta start warming up for Armando. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I thought I'd get guys like you know Burline and Numchuck and people in Earthquake up there to you I know kind of lead up to the. Thought the you're big trying game. to get Steven there as like your ringer or something like that to play a little pairs or oh, something. Oh, we like could that. do that. Yeah, Steve and I Armando and his daughter are a team. What? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, Steve's still on. Oh, okay. There we go. I'll, I'll go tag team. Yeah. I like that. By the way, Ed did text me and said no draws either. No draws. No draws. Okay. Ed's getting a shout out on the next segment, too, so hang tight, Ed. <laughs> All right. We come back. We'll talk about some football picks. Luxury resort in the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. It's the place to see and be seen. It's uber, chic, sleek, and sophisticated. The Cosmopolitan offers you top-rated dining choices and popular nightlife entertainment and is the home of the T.C. Martin Show every Friday afternoon. See the show live in the luxurious sports book. Come see and be seen at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. What would you do to go to Freddy's? Okay, kids, you played hard and you did your best. We'll get them next time. Coach, we lost again. Can we still go to Freddy's? Of course we can! That's the only reason she plays on this team. Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers, now with four locations in the Valley. Two in Henderson on Warm Springs and Julia Road, and Eastern near Silverado Ranch, and two in Las Vegas at Charleston and Decatur, and its newest location on Rainbow and Russell. Freddy's, the taste that brings you back. This is T.C. Martin, and when you have that special occasion you need to look sharp, I have just the place for you to go get suited up. Visit my friends at Friar Tucks. They have the latest styles in fashion will make you look like the toast of the party. Friar Tux is fashion forward with a variety of tuxes and suits that will make you look so good. Whether it's for a wedding, prom, special event, or just a fancy night out, Friar Tux has you covered. Choose from an extensive selection of stylish suits, tuxedos, and accessories that you can rent or buy. You will be amazed with great specials and tremendous savings. More importantly, Friar Tux gives you the best personalized service from a friendly and experienced staff. They will fit you to a T and give you the look you want. Check out all the stylish threads at Friar Tux. Visit them in person at 3540 West Sahara near Valley View or go online at FriarTux.com. For your next event or just to add to your wardrobe, get styling at Friar Tux. Hey, Frank, what are you doing? Just a little dentistry. My tooth is killing me. Here, take this string and tie it around that door handle. What? Just do it now. I don't think this is a good idea. And shut the door on your way out. Oh! Visit the friendly staff and professionals at Dr. Weinman's Green Valley location. For more info, go to WeinmanDental.com. That's W-I-N-E-M-A-N Dental.com. Why didn't you just go to Dr. Weinman? He's the best. Now you're telling me. The T.C. Martin Show is here. Yeah, boy! If you can't listen live, go to TCMartinShow.com anytime. Listen to the podcast, check out the blog, and see the star-studded photo gallery. Get your daily dose of the doctor. T.C. Martin online at TCMartinShow.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and be an active part of the show anytime, anywhere. It's the most entertaining and informative sports talk show on the planet. The T.C. Martin Show. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas is a unique luxury resort, hotel, and casino in the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. Be part of the action in the 24-hour bar, table games, and walls of the HD LED TVs in the 
Cosmopolitan Sports Book. Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas is the place to dine out and have fun. Check out restaurants and bars like Blue Ribbon Las Vegas, Egg Slut, and Cook Bar and Lounge. And the best entertainment headliners at the Chelsea. Learn more about the dynamic resort and casino at CosmopolitanLasVegas.com. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. Our good friends at Opportunity Village got the Picks for OV contest. We appreciate everyone signing up for that. And we had quite a few winners that we gave free entries to last week. And I've got the opening standings. And even though yours truly didn't perform that well, the Picks for OV contest, I have hundreds of people in it. And I got looked at the standings today. Eight of our guys that won or affiliated with our show, are in the top 50. Well, there you go. And two are the top four. Yeah, that's very good. That's right. So one contestant went undefeated last week, 5-0. and oh, And guess who is representing the T.C. Martin show at 4-1? and one, And in second place, we have two of our loyal listeners. We've got Armando Vasquez. Wow. And Slappy. That's right. Chris Piper, both 4-1, and one, representing. And then, so those eight in the top 50 include Ballpark Frank, Scott Spritzer, Easy Ed, as I like to call him, get another mention on the show, Stevie Slapshot, and Numbchuck. There Look you go. That. Look at that. Look at that. So we are well represented. After week one. After week one, exactly. <laughs> you had to say that, didn't you? You had to say that. <laughs> Got to be perfectly frank about it. So <laughs> there you go. So yeah. So keep getting your picks in. Don't miss the deadline. Picking five games against the the spread. And again, crad- congratulations to all of our winners from last week. They got to be it, about like Saturday or something. Well, obviously, if you want if you want to use tomorrow's game, then you need to get them in now. No, no, no. Actually, so the for the picks for OV is only the Sunday game, Sunday okay. and Monday, okay. only Sunday and Monday. So you actually you have like till seven a.m. Okay. So I'm for you night owls, like yeah, Sunday yeah. morning. So the night owls like you. Saturday night, you can, you know, when you get home. Yeah, I think I did in. mine last week at like two or three a.m. How did on, I know that? that Saturday or whatever? So. How did I know that? Yes. During a during a lull in the Korean baseball action, and I think it was. Why are you watching the, Korean baseball? And were you in sprites or it's over? You don't need. It. We've got Major League Baseball back. Because when you can't sleep at night, you got to do something. I mean, come on, and, and and there's not Aussie f- rules football every night. You know, watching your soft porn on you know some of those. I, I'm. You and I have never <laughs> talked about this. Oh, maybe we shouldn't. Porn to me is not a spectator sport. I am. I have never been into porn. If I'm not in the starting lineup, I don't care. That's it. Yes. You want to be I've Chuck and be a reliever? Never, never been a porn guy. Odell Beckham and me are completely on opposite ends of the spectrum. There. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, the Odell Beckham story. Whew. Uh, we won't go there. <laughs> we did yesterday. We sure did. Yeah. By the way, our one guy that's representing us well, Armando, couldn't believe that we did that story. Is that right? Yes. You never know what you're going to get. He's like, I can't show. believe TC let Quake go with that. I'm like, TC encouraged that. That's it. <laughs> it's just like the promo just played. It's like this is the you know inter- informative and entertaining sports talk show on the planet. By that's the way, what you get here. I know we're almost uh, maybe we can dive into this a little bit yeah. more tomorrow, but um. You think the Mountain West maybe considers playing now, too? Mm. I mean, Air Force is playing two games already. How stupid is that? Absolutely. (laughs) Let's let's join the fray. 
I know. It's crazy. Everybody jump on a bandwagon. Come on. Let's go. There's still time. You guys worked out all during this time anyway. You can play in two or three weeks. You can. Let's go. Nice story about Notre Dame saving football. I like that story. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that, too. Touchdown, Jesus saves. There you go. Of course. There you go. It was sacrilege on this program, my friend. It wasn't sacrilegious. Want to thank the it was golden actual actually. Want to thank the golden domer <laughs> Steve Berline for joining us and Tracy Murray as well. UCLA and Notre Dame represented here on the show tomorrow. K Mac joins us. Kayla McBride from the number one seeded Las Vegas Aces. We'll talk to her from the Wubble tomorrow, and a whole lot more too. And then Friday we will be at the Cosmopolitan. Make sure you join us there. Miss any part of the show? Go to the website tcmartinshow.com. For Ballpark Frank, Numchuck, Quake, everyone else, have yourself a good one. Catch you tomorrow at 2. The T.C. Martin Show. Weekday afternoons at 2 on 1400 KSHP North Las Vegas. Online at KSHP.com.